Welcome. This is Beyond the Hate. I'm Steven. I'm John. Goldeneye is the nickname of uh, the Bond creator Ian Fleming's beachfront house in Jamaica, where between 1952 and 1964, he wrote the Bond novels and short stories. Yes. So, yeah, and that's, a, that's the other thing, too, is that uh, uh, Fleming's uh, mansion, his, his house in Jamaica, you can actually still go to it, and you can rent out rooms uh, in Goldeneye. Uh, it still exists. They have uh, um, Fleming's uh, family, I think. They have, like, uh, people that oversee it, kind of like a hotel almost, where, like, they can – it was expensive as shit. It's kind of <laughs> like Graceland, basically, kind of yeah. like Graceland. You know, it's like Elvis's house. The king lived there, so it's kind of a tourist attraction now. Right. Uh, same thing with Fleming. Same thing with, like, um, the Shire, stuff like in that. New Zealand, yeah, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. actually go to the Shire and, like, look at Hobbiton and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, so a lot of that stuff does exist. Like, when George Lucas does die, the, the his ranch will basically become a tourist attraction. Skywalker Ranch? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing, too, is that, like, especially, like, Skywalker Ranch, because it's... Uh, it's where you know pretty much like Disney does a lot of their uh, their sound editing and sound mastering. I think they record a lot of their uh, um, like soundtrack stuff there, like their original score stuff, right? Because they have the facilities for it. It's one of the best facilities for uh, sound and music production for movies because that's what Lucas used to right. do all the Star Wars movies. He did all the Indiana Jones stuff there. So, yeah, but GoldenEye, in terms of what it means to uh, Bond fans, it is kind of like, it is kind of like Graceland. It's like, if you're a Bond fan, you want to go visit the GoldenEye house that Fleming wrote the novels in. And you can actually go into his office and see, like, yeah. his desk and everything. First yeah, cool. uh, movie written, like, after the, like, the Cold War. Um, yeah. The last book. That's kind of like really based on like the, the last movie that was really based on a book that was made of that era, because um, it's kind of changed now. They kind of do some stuff close to the books, and then some stuff just you know not. Martin Campbell, you know, first uh, at this time was the first American director to direct a James Bond movie. Yeah. Um, so still does that shit <laughs> yeah it's uh but that's the other thing too is that this is also the first time that you see a female m yeah it never had a female m before like it was bernard lee for oh god like what like 15 movies bernard lee was m i don't know if you have that in your notes i might be getting the number wrong but he bernard lee was m for a long chunk of time yes he went through many many bonds before he finally retired from that role i have a lot of notes so i'm trying to find the actual note of why they they actually cast it um judy dench i had it here i don't want to i have it on the top of my head but i don't want to misquote it because uh, it's kind of important um yeah just to have a female M is kind of substantial because they had never done that before. You know, there's some, you know, tropes with Bond that don't really change much from iteration to iteration. You know, every iteration of Bond has a money penny. Every iteration has an M and a Q. But M traditionally was always a man. So to have right. Judy Dench play it, it was kind of, um, it was a little shocking because nobody had really seen that before. M has always been a man. 
But Judy, in terms of what she added to that role, I think she did a very good job of making M tough, but also fair. Well, what it was supposed to be, I'm having problems locating it, but I'll just tell you what I remember. Probably should have highlighted that. <laughs> uh, I have a lot of stuff checked out. But anyway, yeah. uh, what, what I remember from the actress that played uh, Money Penny, yeah. it was her idea to have the character be female. Actually, it's her idea to have Money Penny be M. So they liked the idea when they read it, wrote it, but they didn't actually want Money Penny to be M. They liked the idea of a female being M. Yeah. And she was very, very pissed whenever they gave the role to Judy Dench. Oh, yeah. Because she wanted the role. That's She came up with the idea. Which is funny because the lady who plays that Money Penny <laughs> is named Samantha Bond. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Her name in real life is Samantha Bond. Yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. So, yeah, so... The actress that played Money Penny actually wanted to be M, to have her where she got promoted to M. From Money Penny to M. Oh, from okay. Money Penny to M, and they liked part of the idea, and they're like, no, but not Money Penny. Yeah. Um, we're gonna have it be you a know, different actress. Different actress, and what it was was, you know, they they liked the idea, but I think they just couldn't see the actress that played Money Penny being in a um you know power role type thing yeah being brutal and then they Emma, probably auditioned judy dench legendary judy dench dame um, judy dench <laughs> dame judy dench yes because she actually is knighted she is knighted which she sh- should be yes <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> but it's a, it's a complicated thing to to say but it's really hard to think of anybody that's played M better than Judy Dench. Yeah. I mean, even though like in the, the newer style stuff with Craig, when they kill off Judy Dench's version of M and they bring in the Ray Fiennes version, he still doesn't feel like he's the commanding presence that Judy Dench's M yeah, was. Now, Ray, Ray Fiennes is, you know, he's an awesome actor. He is amazing. Yes. But Judy Dench's no intensity. Yeah. And, uh, Fun fact is Rafe, he wanted to be James Bond. He auditioned for him. Yeah. I think I remember hearing about that. Rafe and lost it to, to T-Dalt. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Even back then. Yeah. Sean, Sean Bean also, he lost uh, his chance to T-Dalt also. Um, Cause he was going to be a Bond and that's why he came back in this movie to be, you know, 006. Yeah. Um, Should have been Bond. That was the first thing. Because just a little behind-the-scenes thing, like, um, I kind of got into Bond in reverse. Um, I watched the Connery Bonds. Um, wasn't that impressed with the Connery Bonds. I like some when of them. When you were younger, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when the, the uh, Daniel Craig Bonds came out, I loved those. I liked the Timothy Dalton Bonds. Um yeah, they they were they were amazing. This was supposed to be a Timothy Dalton Bond movie. He actually wanted to come back for this, but he was told, "Well, it's been like five years since we made a Bond movie, so you signing on for one movie is impossible." And he was like, "Well, I'm not doing it then." Right? Yeah. So th- Timothy Dalton was okay with doing this movie. He was like, "Yeah, let's go ahead and you know have a trilogy type thing." Right. And they were like, "No, you would have to sign on for like three or more." And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Yeah. 
Because <laughs> that's the thing about Dalton is that he doesn't he didn't necessarily need Bond at this point. He had done his time as Bond for mm-hmm. his two movies, and then he had kind of moved on. And he was doing other things. I mean, and and you know, Dalton is a Shakespearean trained actor, so he can do he can do plays, he can do you know TV, he can do movies, whatever he wants to do. He doesn't have to rely on something like Bond. Yeah, and the thing that he said was like he had no intention to do and Bond the rest of his life because Timothy Dalton. If you know anything about Timothy Dalton, like even today, he probably could still be playing some version of Bond. I mean, he's still in like really cool shows like that Doom Patrol that DC's doing with Brendan Fraser and T. Dalt. Um, I mean, he he's still a guy that kind of looks like you know you can believe in certain roles like spy world because i mean hell roger moore was old as hell mm-hmm. still playing bond you don't have to be roger moore was well into his 50s by the time he was in uh view to a kill <laughs> daniel craig is the most believable person as a guy that's a like an action spy like a guy that can you know jump off cranes and whoop your ass in a back alley and then like do some backflips and survive an explosion and shit like that. Like Daniel Craig is the most believable bond <laughs> whenever it comes to that. It's a physicality. Yeah. yeah like physically Daniel Craig's a guy that likes to do a lot of his own stunts, which Pierce Brosnan and uh, Sean Bean had to do some of their own stunts in this movie because Martin Campbell wanted them to. Um, mainly the, the whenever they're, they were kind of going at each other in the movie. Yeah. He wanted them to when they're fighting on the antenna cradle and yeah, stuff. Yeah. That was that was them. Yeah. Because it's hard to do uh a a close range, you know, like just fist fight on the ground and, you know, that kind of stuff where you have to do the stunt doubles because you have to cut the shit out of that because you have to get the reaction from their face, like when they get punched and you see them like grimace and stuff. You can't have a stunt guy do that because it takes all the emotion out of the scene. Yeah, you got... you're cutting around it so you don't see their face, and it's like that's not good. The bungee jump off the dam. Yeah, Pierce isn't gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, that was a real guy. That was a stunt but that man. Was, I actually had his, actually did that. I have his name in my notes here somewhere. And um... but while you look for that, let's do the beer real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so this is uh, Linen Kugel's Summer Shandy. Uh, and it's a, um, it is a vice beer, uh, brewed with honey and natural lemon lemonade flavor, uh, 4.2% alcohol. I would, I wouldn't say that it's a three because it's not overwhelming it, but it's not terrible. So I, I'll give it, I'll give it a 2.5. If I wanted something that was kind of a lemon sort of flavor instead of like a lime or like an orange or something like that. And I wanted something with some flavor, but not right. overwhelming. This is not bad, but I would probably give it like a two and a half. You know, I, I think it's pretty good. Lightning Kugels has done some pretty good beer because I think the other one that we had for Lightning Kugels it got pretty good marks. Yeah, it did. So they they do pretty good beer. They're usually their stuff is pretty good. And uh, where are they from again? It's a uh, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. <laughs> Shout Wisconsin. Out to Wisconsin. Wisconsin. That's how you have to say it, you know? Yeah, Sean Connery uh, recommended Mel Gibson to play the new James Bond. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, I don't know how that would have... I don't know how that would be now 
knowing like how he you know he would go on like his old you know anti-semitic tirades <laughs> that would be really weird now but but luckily mel gibson was directing and starring in braveheart which is a masterpiece which i much rather him being doing instead of james bond yeah because uh, braveheart true. is amazing um, braveheart is an epic so yeah i don't know what to say about uh uh mel gibson's past but i do know many many uh successful actors today that had worse past than him and they they've been given the past so yeah i don't know if i'm the person that gets to judge that no i mean um, look at this i mean even look at the stuff like robert Downey jr went through i mean he, yeah a lot of the stuff that stuff he went through past. was probably way worse than what mel gibson did yeah Mel you Gibson know. just had a, had a tendency to get a little bit too drunk and started making comments. And it's like, does that mean that you should get killed in the media? No, but that's what's going to happen. You know? That's exactly what's going to happen. Sometimes when I you mean, drink, people fuck up and do stupid things, you know? You know, you does deserve... you a horrible person? No. Yeah. I mean, only, you know, people like Mel Gibson get tortured for that. You know, if, you know, Britney Spears was drunk and high in public and showing everybody like her bits and pieces and saying f this and f that people be like us oh, that's so britney yeah that's just britney being britney. <laughs> but if mel gibson does it it's like death sentence kill mel gibson yeah that guy should he get said something from... about jews and it was like well i mean have you heard the jews stand up it's basically the same thing mel gibson said <laughs> Like that's literally all they have anymore, as far as stand up making comedian. fun of their own the, themselves. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really over that. Like, yeah. I wish people would stop doing that. Yeah, it's like okay, we were talking we about get... that one day. It's like yeah. people that do like the racist comedy, and that is the only thing they have. That's about the only them that's thing funny. they do. Or if they're like a fat guy, like Gabriel Iglesias or something, like it's, it's like the like... only thing he does is fat jokes, and it's like okay, I get it. You're get a big it. guy. You're good. Yeah, it's like do you uh, have more jokes like than one that. Of, like one of the guys that I that I listened to uh, a good bit, and he actually actually I think he passed away from a heart attack. It was John Panette, mm-hmm. um, and he, a lot of his stuff now. It's like his humor was like it was like food based. He could do jokes about other stuff because he was in like the 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 and hairspray, and so he would have jokes about like you know working on stage and doing stuff like that. But his food, but most of his like stage shows were based on food and him being hungry and him like you know doing crazy shit in buffets. And it's like I get it, but it's like you're so talented. Why the fuck are you only doing jokes about this one thing? Yeah, yeah. It's like you can okay, do so can much more. You're so funny. It's like Jewish people only do jokes about Jewish people, and it's like I can make that joke because I'm Jewish. It's like yeah, but should you make that joke? Yeah, like that's really the question. You're you just can. profiting off of stereotypes, man. Yeah, it's like everyone does it. It's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, it's like Carlos Mencia. Like, at first he was pretty good, and then he just only did like Spanish jokes, right? Or whatever Joe Rogan's good jokes was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he basically he stole from Joe Rogan, and he talked about beaners. <laughs> that was his whole thing. Like, Which is what Joe Rogan talks about. <laughs> that is crazy because Joe Rogan is racist. <laughs> Joe Rogan, stick stick to just doing UFC and you heard Joe Rogan's podcast. He's pretty racist. (laughs) I I've only the only time that I've ever seen anything from his podcast is when he had Neil deGrasse Tyson on. I was like, that was because like he would talk to 
because Joe would. He be- was a little less racist in that podcast because he only said the N word forty times. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and watch it. He says the N word thirty times to Elon Musk. No. <laughs> that would be messed up if that, that was be- true. <laughs> Like Joe Rogan is the worst. <laughs> that is the worst. That guy's horrible. But you know, hey, it's not you know it's it's not like you know they uh, you know enticed men uh, at a strip club and then uh, drugged them and stole their money because only Cardi B does that. That's... Cardi B can do that. She gets a free pass. Everybody's like, well, hey, you, you know, know the she difference between Cardi B and Nicki Minaj. Like Cardi B's like drugging men and stealing their money. Men are just like giving money to Nicki Minaj, right? And she doesn't even want it. Right, She's exactly. like, nah, keep your money. I got yeah. I got money. I got, I got <laughs> my own. That just shows you the difference between Cardi and Nikki. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so as far as, like, GoldenEye goes, the thing about GoldenEye is, like, it, it, one of the things that I realized, like, whenever we cover, because we, we've only ever covered uh, Roger Craig's version of Bond and then Timothy Dalton's Bond. We've never done anything for Pierce Brosnan. You said Roger Craig. Roger Craig? I mean, Daniel Craig, my bad. The Roger Craig of... could have been Bond. Roger Craig. Roger Craig. Right. The James Bond of the 49ers. Right. <laughs> Good way to save that shit. Uh... That's what we do in the biz. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that's what we call a save. Uh, but yeah, Daniel Craig's version of Bond, and we did Timothy Dalton's. Uh, we've never covered Pierce Brosnan before because Steve has kind of a weird relationship with Pierce Brosnan's Bond. But that being said... That's because I watched the other two Bonds first. Yes. And that's the thing. <laughs> well, that's the thing. If you compare Pierce to, say, Daniel Craig, obviously Pierce is going to look bad in comparison well yeah it's like a it's it's like a retroactive thing like if you watch um if the first batman movie you ever watch is you know the dark knight right and then you go back and watch the batman movie with michael keaton you'd be like well michael keaton sucked it's like no 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 if you watch if you watch the (laughs) if you watch the michael keaton batmans first and then you watch you know you have to watch it like we watch it you watch val kilmer and then you watch George Clooney, then you watch Christian Bell, then you'll be like, oh yeah, yeah, Michael Keaton was the bomb. Yes. Val Kilmer was pretty damn good to himself. Yeah, I um, like Val Kilmer's, and eventually we'll do Batman Forever. Batman Forever is is up there. We'll get. We'll and that was supposed to, to be movie. Michael Keaton too, but Michael Keaton was like, if Tim Burton's not going to direct it, I'm not going to be in it because he didn't want to work with Joel Schumacher. Yeah, Joel yeah. Schumacher, which. <laughs> Now that I know about more about Joel Schumacher, now that I'm adult, I'm like I totally get it. Like I would probably not want to work with Joel Schumacher either. He seems yeah. like he's a crazy person, right? Like, oh yeah, let's have like a bat credit card and shit. Yeah, it's, it's like that's just, uh, that's what happens when you have like people that interject like weird stuff into a movie and nobody bothers to tell them no or can't tell them no. Yeah, it's like you know, but that's the thing I I think about like the the bonds in particular is that like Pierce Pierce was going to be the bond after Roger Moore because they, he was working on Remington steel and they were like, Hey, yo, like, you know, they already had like an agreement made. They were like, we're going to cast you to be in the living daylights. You're going to be the next James Bond. And he was going to be, he was going to be the guy. And then the living daylights is the movie that Sean Bean lost out on. Oh, okay. That's the one he was supposed to be in. Okay. But I and think he lost up. he lost out for Pierce Brosnan 
and then, then Pierce couldn't do it. Then Pierce couldn't do it. And then whenever I think they may even called him back. I don't have that whole story, but he already had something else going on. He already had another another job. Yeah. So then it fell to T Dalt, which I'm glad because this movie Goldeneye, the reason that is different from the other Pierce Brosnan movies, because it was written for T Dalt. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like Goldeneye more than I like the other ones that Pierce did. Because I've always maintained that Pierce Pierce's run is Bond. The I don't fourth, need to see James Bond surf. Right. <laughs> Invisible cars and shit. That belongs in Fast and Furious franchise. And they don't even do that shit. They're um, going to do that shit in Hobbs and Shaw. Right. <laughs> right. And that's like the B movie to Fast and the Furious. But... The thing about the thing about uh, you know Brosnan is that once he finally got a chance to be Bond after getting screwed over on the whole Remington Steel thing, no, he because, screwed himself over on that. He's the one that signed the contract. Well, yeah. he signed a contract that said that if they renewed it for a second season, he would go back and obviously do the second season. Mm-hmm. They renewed it when they realized that he was going to possibly leave and go work and, and be Bond. So they were like, oh, no, no, we're going to do season two. And he's like, fuck, I'm locked in my contract. Damn it, I can't do anything. Because he's like, I have to do season two of Remington Steel. And then it died a very quick death after that. So he got screwed out of being Bond for that period and then ultimately went to Dalton. Uh, Which and, I'm glad that happened. And it's, it, But it's like it's weird how it works out because then eventually, like in the 90s, it comes back as they have that, that long hiatus and they had some legal troubles. Then when they're like, okay, we are going to roll ahead with Goldeneye. We're going to make a new Bond. We're going to you know, have to hire a new actor because of you know the Dalton thing. Because Dalton wasn't going to come back like you were talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, T. Dalton made two really good quality movies. And he was hated for it. Pierce made one good movie. And three. <sighs> the thing about Pierce is that Goldeneye starts off really, really, really well. He has a really good kind of initial opening movie. Pierce's movies have diminishing returns because when you get to Tomorrow Never Dies, it feels like, okay, maybe we're not writing this so well. Like, the villain is pretty compelling, and, like, what he's trying to do seems like something that would be in a Bond movie where he's trying to start a war because he, between, like, the Americans and the Chinese because well, he's I don't like know if you know this about it, and I don't know if anybody knows this about it. Literally, after Pierce was cast for this movie, um, they had to change a lot of stuff in it at the last minute because the original story for this was the exact same story as True Lies. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> and the story of Golding Eye is actually very close to the actual story of True Lies. But yeah. they had to change some things to make it different because they were, they were being made in the same year. Yeah. So Arnold Schwarzenegger's True Lies was was basically the same exact story as Goldeneye originally and they had to change their story. Oh, okay, and that's when they that's when it was changed to being like the yeah. the the satellite and the satellite being kind of like the MacGuffin mm-hmm. with the the Goldeneye and the, the keys and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that that was one thing that that did happen and I was reading and I just kind of laughed a little bit. I was like, "Wait, it was the exact I love the True Lies movie though, by the way." Yeah. Like that's a great movie. It's not it like, "Oh, wow, they try to like they were trying to make you know, it wasn't on purpose. Like they weren't trying to copy the movie. They just found out like there's another movie being made that is similar and with the exact same story as this." Right. <laughs> Sometimes it happens where you see <laughs> movies get released at the same time and you're like, 
wait, how did like two movies about the same thing come out at the same time? Yeah. And True Lies was also a book, I think. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but I don't remember. I, th- I think you might be right, but I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, so that was the one with um, Arnold and... Jimmy Lee Curtis. Jimmy Lee Curtis and um, what was the other guy's name? Um, Tom Arnold. Tom, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. which was, like, like I said, it was an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Like, is is really, really good. I mean, it... I think they did really good script work, if especially if it was as last minute as you know my information made it seem that they had to redo the script. It was really good, you know, script work to change it to make it not like True Lies. Yeah. So you know, and um, amazing actors in this Goldeneye movie. Yes, that's you know? uh, that's that's one of the things that I that when you go back and you look at when, it because you have. And people can say what they want to about Pierce, and I do have a whole section about Pierce. I have a very long paragraph about Pierce Brosnan. But when you have Sean Bean in the movie, and you've got Dame Junie Dench, <laughs> Alan Cumming. <laughs> yeah, Alan Cumming. Like, Alan yeah. Cumming is I, Boris. I noticed him immediately when we were we were watching it, and I was like, oh, there's Alan Cumming. That's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. And it's like, and even Steve is like, oh, you know, he's a villain just from like his. Oh face. yeah. When I seen Alan coming, I was like, he's a villain. Yeah. You know, he's a villain. Even if like, you haven't seen the movie before and you never played the video game or anything on Nintendo 64, you have this innate sense that there's something wrong about Boris. Like, why does he act like this? Because you look at Natalia, Natalia looks normal. Well, the only time Alan Cummings ever been a good guy is when he played Nightcrawler. Yeah, that's true. And even Nightcrawler tried to like assassinate the president at one point. <laughs> yeah, so not a great person. Right. <laughs> uh, but you know, anyway, awesome um, dude though. Very successful actor to 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 be a, a gay actor in uh, the the time that he was being an actor. Yeah. You know, like. What well, isn't it weird that like was it like a year after this he does Spice World? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's in Spice World, which he was great in Spice World. I watched that movie. He was probably the best part of the. He was the only actor in that movie. Yeah, like because he had to literally sell every scene, and he fucking did. Yes, they they were like, "We're putting all of this on you because the five girls and the Spice Girls cannot. None of them can act. They're not actresses. But you know, it's a movie about a band. Yes, a a girl band. It's kind of like it's almost like Beatles, A Hard Day's Night, but with like a female pop group." Yeah. yeah 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 and I, I don't say a girl band like oh they're girls in a band it's it's literally the opposite of a boy band it's right. a girl band it's a girl band yeah that's yeah. what the spice girls were they yeah. were like the antithesis of of something like nsync or the back yeah that's Boys. what they were which you they know the spice girls they had their own you know they had their own good music you know for people that like the spice girls uh but like yeah, I've seen that movie, and it was yeah. Alan Cumming was the best. <laughs> he, he was, was the, the best, best actor in it. It was like so. You, yeah. he's an amazing actor. And then you were even pointing out that uh, the guy who plays Defense Minister Mishkin uh, is uh, the guy from Kiss of the Dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah, he was the bad guy. Uh, to Chicky Cario. They called yeah, uh, yeah. It told it called Jetly Johnny, you know, Johnny or whatever. He's like, yeah. I just call you Johnny. Uh, yeah, he's in here, and then um, I can't remember the name of the guy that. Because I mentioned him, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that is that dude." Because he's so fucking young in this movie. Yes, he's so young. Because I didn't realize that at first, and then Steve's like, "Yeah, he's like that's the dude from Kiss of the Dragon." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, shit." It yeah, is as, that soon, guy. as soon as I seen him come up, I was like, "Yeah, that's the dude from Kiss of the Dragons." Yeah. And you're like, 
Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the first like, Mr. Michigan. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, so it's so yeah, it's it's so cool to see a lot of these guys that are um they were so young in this movie. Like Sean Bean, I mean, he's still he's still he still aged well. He was young as shit in this to this life. day. But this like this or looks young as shit. Yeah, I mean, he was super young looking in this movie and yeah. um even when he even when he has the the burns and like the scars on his face, he still doesn't look like he's super old, you know. No, no, no. Like I, I was literally just sitting there, like, when the fuck are they gonna put like Sean Bean and like, you know, like a, a hero or even a villain in the MCU? Like either one. Yeah. Like, that would be, yeah, that would be interesting to to see Sean Bean as a villain in one of mm-hmm. those, you know, one of those uh, Marvel movies. Yeah, that would be really cool to see. Um, well, I guess since we're on the subject of Sean Bean, well, I'll go ahead and do this part. Um, and then we'll go ahead and take a, we'll take a break after we do this part. So it says, uh, uh, well, this was in kind of like a stream of some other stuff. So it says, uh, the other problem is, uh, beans characters motivation, which he means double Oh six, basically double Oh six. Yeah. It's kind of worded bad because of the way that it's, it's like just written out, but they watched the movie once. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Look, Mr. Beans in this movie, Mr. Beans in this motherfucker. <laughs> Uh, it says, uh, the, the next problem is uh, 006's character's motivation. He changes his reason for doing what he's doing two or three times. His family was sent back to Russia to be executed by Stalin, which uh, w- which uh, must have uh, made Mr. Bean at least 65 to start with. He hates Britain. Well, that's not unreasonable. <laughs> he also hates Bond. He's doing it for the money. Yay. Uh, yeah, yay, gods. Can't he just make up his mind? They've given him the scar, so he's the bad guy. And he's already a traitor at the time of the opening sequence or not. But why doesn't anyone bother to tell us? I wasn't buying the woman who kills men with her thighs. And that scene near the beginning seemed almost pornographic, too. When she tries to kill Bond that way, he just seemed like a weenie. I mean, her thighs are quite shapely and not at all muscle-bound. While he, on the other hand, has... uh, has beat up hundreds of bad guys with his bare hands before. Well, the thing that you got to know about Bond movies, even if you're not the biggest Bond fan, is there's always some sort of henchman that has a specific way they like to kill people. Yes, that's kind of like a, it's like a trademark. Yeah, it's a trademark, and that's something that, that kind of gives it a little personality. And if you're not into that, then sorry. Yeah. It's not your movie. Watch... Some other boring ass shit. Uh, Go watch the Bourne movies. That's stupid shit. No. Watch Scarlet, which T. Dalt was doing instead of this, right. uh, which was also a good movie. Uh, so the 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 Sean Bean, Bean thing that he tells the different stories or whatever that was, was actually um, was yeah different motivations different yeah. motivations that was actually on purpose because he's a liar, right? <laughs> he's literally he literally chose the name of his crime syndicate as Giannis, which is two faced. Yeah. The two faced God. He's a liar. He he he's just making shit up. Right. A lot of times. Like this You don't really know his true motivation a lot of times. Which a lot of people don't know this is the motivation for Christopher Nolan's Joker to tell multiple stories about scars. Mm-hmm. That's where it came from. It came from 006. Oh. 
Yeah. So that that is where that comes from. That's so. interesting. So, <laughs> well, and I've always thought that Christopher Nolan would make for an awesome director for a Bond movie. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Because if they get to a point where they're like, okay, we're going to reboot the Bond franchise and we're going to start over with like a new director, new producer, you know, still going to be the Broccoli company that, that does it, but we're going to kind of reset some things. Uh, my fir- first person I have on that list is fucking – Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. And, and then have Jonathan Nolan help him write it. Yeah, Jonathan Nolan has to write it. And Sean Bean would probably be somewhere in there. Yeah. He'd probably be like, okay, Sean Bean, you're M now. And he's like, what about, no, I don't, whatever. I don't care about that. Right. <laughs> no, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask out uh, fines because, you know, he's a fucking national hero over there. Like, he's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, he's fines. a treasure. I mean, he played fucking Voldemort and. That's really all you need. Right. Uh, yeah. But he's played way more than that. But I'm just saying, like, he is huge yeah. over there. And, uh, yeah. But if Christopher Nolan did it, it'd be interesting to see what his casting choices would be for a Bond. You'd, you'd probably get, you'd probably get, like, Daniel Radcliffe or something. <laughs> yeah, I, that would be interesting. Um, but the whole thing about... You know, like there's or that, he'd just kind of piss everybody off and just be like, "I'm getting Leo to play Bond." It's like an American Bond. It's like, yeah, I'm getting Leo. I'm getting DiCaprio. <laughs> it's like what? You you what? You have Tom Hardy's and then like <laughs> then like blow everyone's mind when they see it. And be like, yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. <laughs> It'd be like, but but can he do the accent? It's like Leo can do anything. Like yeah, me. I mean, Pierce Bronson was born in Ireland. Yeah. And, uh, you know, George Lazenby, he was born in Australia. So we've had non, you know, English bonds, bonds before. I mean, well, the other thing, too, is that, like, uh, you know, Connery's Scottish. Connery's Scottish. They kind of changed the whole backstory of Bond because of Connery. Yeah. And, because uh, uh, that was one of the things that Fleming, you know, once he saw Dr. No, and he was like, oh, he was like, he, he was like, he changed the backstory where Bond's father was Scottish and his mother was Swiss. Yeah. And so that way um, it makes sense why he would have a Scottish accent because he grew up like that. Now they've kind of like retconned a little bit of that sense. So now he's just considered a British secret agent and not like a Scottish secret agent because he doesn't have the Scottish accent. But, you know, like if you wanted to do that for somebody now, you could maybe have like Gerard Butler, unless maybe he's too old. But. We, we talked about that before. Gerald Butler would be a great older version of Bond or kind of like a Bond great villain. Oh yeah. He'd be Bond. a good villain. Yeah. Like a guy that might be in agent villain, in agency villain, like a guy that's actually working kind of side by side with Bond, kind of like a 006. If they want yeah. to do that kind of modern day, like a double O agent. Gerald Butler would, would be like really perfect for that because he would be a guy that could pull off bad and good. Yeah. You know, he could be like, yeah, I'm your buddy and all that kind of stuff and also turn on him. Yeah. It'd be something kind of exciting, which modern day, they still haven't beat the uh, Javier Bardem to me um, because Christoph Waltz was great, but he didn't, he didn't, he didn't do what Javier did in Skyfall, you know? Well, yeah. The, in, in Skyfall, it's tough to top that. I think that's one of the things about Spectre is that, 
a Spectre's a good movie. We both like it. We, yeah, we both we defend it. it. You know, I liked it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was good to have, you know, Blofeld back as a main character. Anything with Christoph Waltz in it, I'm down for. That, yeah. That's amazing. It's like you tell me that Christoph Waltz is going to be, you know, Ernst Stavro Blofeld. It's like, oh, shit. It's like, if you know anything about, you know, the Bond franchise and, like, the story of, of Blofeld, it, he is the constant thorn in the side for Bond because – Especially if you go back and you watch the Connery era Bonds, every single movie up until uh, You Only Live Twice, the first four movies basically have something related to Spectre in it. Goldfinger not as much because because um, uh, Art Goldfinger uh, is not – he's not part of Spectre. He's kind of his own sort of person. He's kind of his own entity. But From Russia With Love definitely has a lot of Spectre stuff in it. Dr. No is affiliated with Spectre in the Bahamas. And um, Emilio Largo from Thunderball is a direct lieutenant inside Spectre. And he has to fight Rosa Klebb in um, From Russia With Love uh, because she attacks him. His her thing is that she has poison knives in her shoes. Right. And she can like kick that knife out and then she kicks you with it. If you're gonna get poisoned, and, you know, and that's one of the uh, in like actual like the, the novels, he gets attacked by Cleb and gets stabbed by the poison knives in her shoes, and then he ends up going into the hospital and he slips into a coma for a while, and then when he's like rehabbing is when they start the story for Thunderball, because Thunderball he's like in rehab trying to get his body back to normal after being poisoned, and having you know having a medical issue. Uh, in the movie, they don't really explain that. They just say that he got injured during a mission. But if you go by the novels, it was Cleb that did it to him. Right. But that's the thing. Like you were talking about like the henchmen always have like kind of like their own way of killing people. Like yeah, Jaws, always, always. Jaws always would would use like his you know his jaws and like his physical strength to like crush people and like choke them out. Mm-hmm. Odd Job had his uh, he had a, a razor rimmed hat. Like Kung Lao from Mortal Kombat, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Odd job had the uh, he had the the razor rimmed hat, and you know you have all these different hench people yeah. that have their thing. Xenia, her thing is is that she's a masochist. She gets off on pain, and she enjoys killing men by crushing them between her legs. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting way because it's I would like, say it's part of the feminist movement. It, yeah, it's like uh, killing people with your thighs, right? that's empowering that's empowering i think there's one thing that you would never have to lose if you ever lost on trivia night is what is ian fleming's favorite color it would be gold, gold right yeah because <laughs> he puts gold in everything everything i mean golden eye golden, golden finger the man with the golden gun the man with the golden gun yeah he loves gold <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute is that where we get gold member from it is. Is that supposed to be like a weird version of Ian Fleming? Yeah, I think it is. Except he's not Dutch. Isn't that weird? <laughs> Dutch people are cool. Isn't that right, Max Verstappen? Yes. Dutch people are cool. Mike Myers, how dare you? I'm just kidding. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so we're going to take a break and we're going to come back with some more action packed. We're going to ta- we're going to talk about racism. <laughs> Okay. So buckle up. (laughs) 
And we're back. And even the song, even though the song was actually about dating, um, Jack White's so weird at writing lyrics. Yeah, wow, that's that's. It's crazy. a it's about him and Meg dating and the world around them. But the video was inspired by a James Bond intro. Oh, if you ever yeah. watch the music video, it's, it was inspired by an intro to James Bond because it's like the little triangle things and it's like keeps going inside of. Yeah, it, it almost kind of reminds you of, sort yeah. of like the gun barrel sequence or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, where you're like, like going under- into it and then it's like and like kind of blows up and you kind of, you know. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things that Jack White went on to, you know, do the song with Alicia Keys in a, his own James Bond intro. Yes. But, uh, but, and that's the thing that's interesting about this too, is that, uh, you know, the guy who did the uh, music for the fifth element actually kind of got some earlier work doing the GoldenEye soundtrack. And it's like, when you hear it, you hear some cues where you're like, okay, this probably could have made sense in fifth element too, mm-hmm. you know, cause Eric Sarah has this like really interesting, like weird, like style. And when you hear it in the fifth element, it makes complete sense because that world is fucking ridiculous. Like everything in it's crazy. And Ruby weird. Rod. Ruby Rod. Speaking of Ruby Rod, element. let's talk about racism. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So the, uh, when I found this, I was like, is this really something that has to be, is this something that has to be said now? Keep in mind, when I read this, this is somebody who is watching the movie 12 years later in 2007, right? Looking 2007 at it a, sucked. <laughs> that year sucked. Um, but uh, th- this is somebody in 2007 looking back at a movie from 1995, right? So just keep that in mind. Um, <laughs> this first line is going to get you, Okay. Martin Campbell is the most racist redneck I have ever seen in recent filmmaking history. <laughs> okay, why? This film is so blatantly raci- racially stereotypical, it makes me quite sick. Look no further than the cover of the film. The white 007 insignia on top of a black background clearly <laughs> represents the white supremacy over all other races, including the black one. All the main characters, I mean every single one of them, is an Anglo-Saxon white Protestant. Not a single Asian, black, Latino, Aboriginal, or Arab. (laughs) Besides that, all Russians are stereotyped as stupid, cowardly, and weak. As Bond kills hundreds of them with just a a shot of his little gun. (laughs) While whole Russian divisions dressed dressed in old Soviet uniforms, by the way shoot at him from five feet away with grenade launchers and machine guns and miss. This film is the most racial cinema picture I've seen in recent history. Well, do you know what else Martin Campbell did? (laughs) He did the mask of Zorro. He did the legend of Zorro. Does that sound like some of this racist? I mean, that's taking a uh, Zorro, a, a Mexican hero, because Zorro is kind of like the Mexican Robin Hood, right? Yes. Yeah, he's kind of like the Mexican Robin Hood. So Zorro is—I uh, mean, he's a legend. He's fucking Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas. Yeah, I mean, I, you couldn't be racist and work with Antonio Banderas. You really couldn't because he'd probably beat your ass. Yeah, he would beat your ass if you wanted to come up with like some you know racist like Mexican jokes or something. You would get your ass whooped. Yeah. 
Yeah. Definitely. Antonio Antonio doesn't play with that kind of shit. And do you think if Martin Campbell was racist, Pierce Brosnan would work for him? I'm not a huge fan of Pierce Brosnan. But I liked him in Mrs. Doubtfire. Right. (laughs) I like him in his recent work. Like, I like him more now that he's older. Uh, uh, He was in the Percy Jackson movie. Yeah. Uh, the Lightning Thief with Sean Bean, by the way, because um, <laughs> uh, Sean Bean played Zeus in the first Percy Jackson movie, which is that's a great casting choice for Zeus. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking Ned Stark. Uh, <laughs> but I'm just saying, like um, Martin Campbell is very, very diverse. I mean, it's just not whenever you're doing a Bond movie. You usually have some sort of diversity, but it's not going to be very extensive because it's the 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 original writer of this was a writer that had you know um a you know there wasn't a lot of diversity in you know um the agencies and everything at that time, so that's what he had to write. So it's not like Ian Fleming was racist either; it was just that's what was going on. Yeah. In those times. Well, part of that is because of like what you have available for your casting and stuff like that, because that's, you know, that's something that like the director really doesn't have much control over. The casting director deals with that, you know? Yeah. So I you mean, have to kind of, you have to shoot with the, the people that they give you. Right. Well, in the James Bonds, definitely <coughs> like, uh, Martin Campbell doesn't have a say like, you know, like, with Daniel Craig, the director of the Bond movies, any director of the Bond movies does not have any say of who Bond is. That's the studios and the studios alone. Yep. Because Bond is one of those characters, like we were saying, like in um, like Batman. The directors of those now basically have no say. Like since Christopher Nolan, they don't have a say. Like, the studios is just taking it over. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, you're getting Ben Affleck because he's a great director for us. It's like, okay, we'll let him direct Batman then. Let's not have him be Batman. And I don't even really have a problem with him being Batman. If you have a good reason for him to be Batman. Right. Not some, you know, slaughterhouse rules Batman. Uh <laughs> With, and it, with you know, motherfucking automatic guns shooting people and branding criminals with a you bat. Know, you know what would have been cool if they would have got Batman or uh, Ben Affleck to direct Batman and had like Casey Affleck be Batman. That would have been cool. Because Casey Affleck can go dark. Ben can't really go dark and make it believable. Casey, he can go dark. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he can do the physical stuff, but, you know, that's what trainers and shit are for. Yeah. You know? Stunt guy. <laughs> Stunt guy. Yeah. <laughs> Just put a I mean, guy in the suit. There but one thing I do know about Casey Affleck, he can go dark as fuck. Yeah. Like, way darker than Ben Gan. Like, super dark. <laughs> yeah. So if you want, if you want to have a dark hero, then hey, Casey Affleck. It's not like he's got shit else to do. <laughs> yeah, he basically only does dark like indie films now, and yeah. it's just like, dude, like someone should make you smile. Right. Like somebody. You know, like to me, like I think some of the most surprising people could make some of the best heroes. Like, you know, I would even throw in names like, you know, somebody like Affleck. I would even throw names like Topher Grace and stuff out there 
for characters or maybe villains, maybe not Batman, but like villains in that universe, because not it's so usually Venom, though. no, that, that was <laughs> ridiculous. And he did as good as he could with it. Yeah. But uh, like that, the, 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 the awful was CGI wasn't his fault. Yeah. And the bad storytelling wasn't his fault. He did as good as anyone could have done with that storyline. Yeah. In my opinion, like I don't, I don't think he did a bad job at all as far as his part of the acting, but it's just, you it can only just, do so much with some shitty ass writing. Like, yeah, you know, it's the same thing with X-Men three. It's like, it, you have all of these talented actors and that's the best you could come up with. It's like no one, no actor felt in that movie, but the, the studio and the director, uh, well, the, the director directed as much as he could, but the, like literally they had him, it was, it was Brett Ratner. And, um, the thing about Brett Ratner is he has no balls. He's not going to change anything. And they're just going to be like, Hey, do this Brett. And he's like, yeah, I'll do it. He's just there to yes, sir. And do his yeah. job and go home. And you know, li- <laughs> I like him cause I like rush hour and stuff like that. But yeah, he, he doesn't have any backbone and that's why the movie failed. Yeah. Cause they're like, Brown singer, you're fired. Brett Ratner do it. And he's like, sure. Like uh Wolverine, you kill, uh, you know, because of the thing. And we're going to have like some serums and, stuff like that and you know rogue's not going to be in the movie really and magneto's barely going to be in it and fucking you know xavier dies in like 20 minutes it's like what the fuck who wants to see this yeah it's just it's like just terrible like yeah cyclops dies in like five minutes of the movie and it's like um what where where are we going with this like we're just killing everybody is like this is this just like you know fuck x-men x-men we're just done with all this shit we're gonna we're gonna just kill it ourselves (laughs) you know it's like it's not how you're supposed to write a movie it's like yeah let's just you know say fuck everything and like kill all the x-men except wolverine and then like have like the phoenix which is supposed to be like the most powerful force besides maybe onslaught which is like a magneto um uh, Professor X like hybrid fucking onslaught character. Yeah. And um yeah. But basically Phoenix Force is just like supposed to be the most powerful villain like ever. Like even more powerful than Apocalypse and you're just gonna be like, yeah, Wolverine can just like stab her. That wouldn't work. That wouldn't work at all. <laughs> no. Not if you know anything about Phoenix in the comic books, stabbing her with some claws isn't going to fucking work. No. Well, and I, I think that like a lot of times, like, cause you know, we were talking about like the casting and a lot of times the casting is not up to you. It's like the thing about something like a Marvel movie in that case is that it's like, or, or like it, like, like the X-Men universe, right? It's like an ensemble cast mm-hmm. because you have, uh, Ian McKellen and you have uh, Patrick Stewart and you've got Halle Berry and you've got Hugh Jackman and you have these big like ensemble casts. You don't typically have that with a Bond movie in comparison. Really, it's Bond. You usually have like a Bond girl, you have a Bond villain, and you have a henchman. And then everybody else is just kind of like extra characters, side characters. You know, like when in this movie, like when he goes to meet uh, uh, Zakowski, Val- Valentin Zakowski. Um, you know, he's just kind of like a side character you meet for like just one chunk of the movie and then you move on. But it's like, they don't have like ensemble cast in like a Bond movie because the whole point of the movie is Bond. He's the main reason that you're there. In these other movies, you can have like all kinds of diverse characters because you have, 
you know, Storm, who's from Africa, and you can have, you know, like, say, like, you know, well, Nightcrawler's from Germany, and then you have, like, these different characters that are from, like, different areas If of the they world. would use Gambit, he would be from Louisiana. Yeah, he'd be from Louisiana, so you have some diversity there because he's, you know, French Creole and, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but the thing is with, like, a Bond movie in particular, one of the things that, like, I was, when I was looking at this, I was like, okay... A very large chunk of the movie takes place in Russia. How many black people do you see in Russia typically? In these times, like in yes, the, the like, time that this was being made, not many. Yeah. The you real might have quick, more black... favorite Bond girl on three. Favorite Bond girl? Yes. Um one, two, three Monica Blue. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh well she would be up there. Uh Oh god, I'm trying to think because I I've, I've watched so many of them. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think. Well, I guess it'd be the uh, probably uh, the Tracy uh, DiVincenzo from uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service because that's the one he marries. He actually likes her so much that he gets married to her. You know, because she helps him out on his mission. Like Tracy's pretty badass. Then she dies. Yeah. Now, one of my other favorites is Natalia, who is from this movie. Natalia Simonova. And I, I, I think the other thing, too, about Natalia... That's another thing, too, since we're like talking about it. It says on here, um, uh, all the Russians are stereotyped as stupid, cowardly, and weak. That's not Natalia. I mean, she might be frightened for her life in some situations, but she can be tough when she needs to be. You know what? And also, other than Natalia, if all of the other ones are um, stupid, um, what, what was it, stupid? Uh, it said, uh, all, all the Russians are stereotyped as stupid, cowardly, and weak. Okay. They're stereotyped as stupid, cowardly, and weak. Fine. And this was 1995. Right. You know what was going on right before that? I think the Russians deserve a little bit of this because they haven't always been the best of people to America. So whenever you make movies, you put that in it. Yeah. It's just the same like, stuff when we, when, we, when we did Rocky Four. Yeah. Just like the German thing. It's like, sure, Germans aren't like that now, but do they deserve kind of to get ridiculed about the Nazi thing? Absolutely. Not all Germans were a part of it, but it was a part of your your country. So, yeah, yeah, you should get ridiculed a little bit. You shouldn't be able to get a pass or forget because if you know anything the about it, if the time. you know anything about it, a lot of good people are the reason or a lot of, yeah, people that thought they were doing the right thing in Germany are the reason Hitler even became powerful because right. they were like, well, let's not do anything about this. Let's not do anything about this. Oh, he might be a good guy. We might be able to change him. He was always a psychopath. He didn't hide it at any point of anything. He got, he, he got put in prison and then given power. Right. He went from being in jail and about to be executed for treason against the country to running for political office. Once he got pardoned, and then he becomes the Chancellor of Germany, and then he becomes the Führer of Germany, it's, 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 <laughs> because of the vacuum of power. Any any genocidal people 
even considering our own, shouldn't be forgotten. Yeah. Our own people are genocidal maniacs. Look what we did to Soviet... In America, there was 100 million people living here before Christopher Columbus's ass decided to start sending people over here to conquer it and just destroying everything. Yeah, look at how many Native uh, look at how many Native Americans are left compared to what the yeah, country used to have. There were thousands of tribes. Now, you know, there's there's barely any trace of any of them. So, and then you're and like, that's something America has to deal with. We also have to deal with the slavery thing because that's part yeah, of our history Yeah, that on too. top of that. We shouldn't th- there shouldn't be movies not made because it's like, oh, well that makes America look bad. Well, we did some bad shit. Russia did some bad shit. Germany did some bad shit. China's done some bad shit. Japan's done some bad shit. No one's done as much bad shit as Britain, but they <laughs> kind of get a pass because they're nice now. But they really shouldn't. They've done worse than they they've done worse than Nazi Germany. Like they might have not as killed as many people, but they conquered just as many. I mean, they 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 were psychotic. They also wiped out you know entire tribes when they met them and yeah, the British were were insane. They were the the American genocide that we were just talking about. Britain was heavily a part of that. They enjoyed helping you know people kill. Plenty of people. All they, of these, they loved it. All these natives that they didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. They they were actually the forefront of it. That was mainly their idea. You know, so you don't get a pass. So if you think it's not cool that in 1995 we're kind of bashing the Russians in a movie, then you just don't understand consequences because... <laughs> But not yeah. every Russian is bad in this movie. Well, yeah, that's well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Not every of anything is ever bad in any situation, uh-huh. and that's the point. The Russians as a whole is kind of bad, but Russian characters in this are meant to look good. It's the same thing as like uh, the the true story of the Valkyrie mission. Yeah. You know, of Germany, there were good Germans in you know nazi german and germany like that Colonel von Stauffenberg. Yeah, yeah that were trying to put it into it yeah but does that forgive the country as a whole uh you know i i think it does in part but it doesn't in whole so in history you know that the germans were responsible for the nazis rise so you kind of want to punish the country but you do know they're good people too so you have it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, almost any story that you write where there's bad guys, there's there's good guys. There's always good guys on each side. Yeah. Like, um, you know, like um, whenever you write stories like uh, 12 Years a Slave, which is a true story, you know, white people own slaves. There were some, you know, white people in the story that weren't okay with it. Right. You know, and they were trying to do whatever they could to try to, 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 try to help. But the majority of people were just okay with it. But, you know, that, that makes some look bad. It makes others, you know, still. It's like there's like the stereotype that everybody in the South wanted to have slaves. It's like, no, there's plenty of people in the South that didn't want to have slaves and didn't agree with it. There's plenty yeah. of people in the North that did have slaves and did agree with it. Yeah. It, I grew up in Illinois. You know, we learned, uh, you know, it's like because 
when you're in school, you're taught like, okay, well, the northern soldiers were the good guys and the southern soldiers were the bad guys. Yeah, there's bad people on both sides and there's good people on both sides. Exactly. And then you know? a lot of times the winners get to write the stories. So they're like, well, no, they, they were all the bad guys. And I was like, no, 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 that, that's, that's not true. Yeah. Because some people in the South actually thought they were fighting for something else. And they were misled. They were, they were severely misled because I mean, and that's true. That's historical fact. You can actually look it up right on the internet. You don't have to take my word for it. Don't take, don't take anybody's word for anything. Just look it up. Um, but you, you find out like a lot of people are misled, uh, to what the world was. The war really should have never happened in the first place, but wars happen. Most wars should have never really happened. You know, except, you know, actually even World War II should have never even happened because Hitler should have never been able to rise to power because Germany was so progressive before that happened. You know, they, they, they had like gay marriage. They, they, you know, that women could vote like, I mean, this was like in the 1920s, they could do this stuff in Germany. They were like the most progressive country in the world until they got poisoned by Hitler's propaganda that was that that was not what was good for Germany and that that's his how version quick, of Germany was what the real Germany should be. That's how quick it can happen. And that's why you shouldn't just fall into place to everything that everyone else tells you because that's how quick something like Nazi Germany could happen to us right now. Or in this in this case, <laughs> in the GoldenEye example, communist Russia. Uh, yeah, communist Russia. That's how quick. We're not saying anybody everywhere is always the bad guy like north korea they think they're the good guys in a lot of situations and their own story yeah in their own story they're the good guys we don't know the truth of their story just to be honest because how do we know what we're being told is the truth (laughs) well that's the thing too like we don't especially in the case of like north korea it's like you know, if we send journalists over there to you know to see what's going on they get captured they get put in jail and there's probably a lot of stuff that they don't see. There's nothing for them to report on because yeah. their that entire country is on lockdown. You, you can't. Yeah. I mean, if you fly over it, you are in some deep shit. Like you can't just spy on North Korea easily. It's very difficult to fuck with them because of just everything. Even the border with South Korea. But how easy is one it? One of the most militarized borders in the world. But then uh, that makes me think: How easy is it to spy on us? Like, can a North Korean plane just fly over America without getting shot down? I, well, I don't know if it would get shot down. It would definitely be tracked to see what that was doing. It would, it would, it would basically be like flanked by like fighter pla- uh, fighter planes and made to land. Right. If <laughs> like, we didn't just just shoot it out. What of the, the sky. fuck are you doing in our country? Looking exactly. At us, you know? So is that is that paranoia or is that just protection? Are they just trying to protect their country from outsiders? Or are they just insane? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So, like, in this movie, the GoldenEye, as a weapon, which is a space-based weapon, was designed during Soviet times Russia because the idea was is that instead of, like, having, like, ballistic missiles, like, intercontinental ballistic missiles and, you know, nuclear weaponry because, like, the Russians would put nuclear devices in suitcases. They still find them to this day. They find suitcases... That have Russian nuclear weapons from like the 60s, 70s, 80s during the Cold Era, Cold War era. So the GoldenEye weapon was designed as a way of of putting a, a blast in the upper atmosphere 
that would electromagnetic pulse and like destroy your communications, all your electronics, your computers, everything. It would just wipe all that shit out because of the way that it, it works as like a as an electromagnetic pulse. So the thing is, the Russians developed that weapon, and in the movie, they they don't use it harmfully. What happens? Oromov like basically sells them out. He basically goes with Xenia to the facility. They steal the golden eye keys and the, uh, I guess it's like the, 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 the laser focus or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that, that arms the weapon. And so he sells out his own country. You know, he's basically, he is a, he is a Russian. Um, he's a, a uh, was it? He's a general at that point, general Oromov. And he sells out the whole country to get access to this weapon so that he can work for, for Yanis and be part of the crime syndicate. But Dmitry Mishkin, who's the defense minister, he's not a bad man. Right. You know, like he's basically, he's like over the Ministry of Defense and he's like, you know, what happened with the weapon? Why was the, the facility at Severnaya destroyed? You know, because he's Which trying to... Which is weird not seeing him play a bad guy. Right, yeah, because you're That's so... when he's the younger version of him. Yeah. He just kind of looks like a badass. Like yeah. Like a badass politician. Yeah, and so when you see him as the defense minister, you're like, okay... Well, he's just doing his job. He's just the normal, you know, he's the, he's the, the, you know, defense minister for Russia. And they had a very large incident at one of their, you know, space facilities, which General Oromov is over because he's the, he's the head of the space division at that point. But he's not a bad person. So he's not stereotyped as like some evil Russian that wants to destroy America. No, he just wants information on what happened at one of his facilities, you know, because he's like, this is a matter of, you know, national defense, you know, one of our satellite uh, bases was destroyed and we lost, what, like two or three MiG fighter pilots because uh, the blast took the jets out. So he's like, what happened? But Mishkin's not a bad guy. No. Natalia's not a bad person. Boris is. But Boris Boris and Oromov, it's kind of balanced. You have two good Russians and you have two bad Russians. <laughs> But it, it, that's the thing. It's like to say that the whole movie is like racist. It's like if you're in Russia, you're not going to see a ton of black people. You're not going to see aboriginals because those people are all from the islands. It being mm-hmm. like it, it would be like is if somebody's like there's no Samoans in this movie and it's in Russia. Yeah, you're not going to see Samoans there. You're not going to. Like, yeah. You, you want diversity, but you also want to be realistic whenever you do some stuff. And um, I mean, James Bond is – Something that, you know, definitely tries to be as diverse as possible, but a lot of times it is, you know, a bunch of white spies trying to kill each other. Right. Well, that's one of the reasons I like in the the Daniel Craig version of Bond, they have Felix Leiter, but he's played by a black actor. They have a black Felix Leiter. Well, he's the best Felix Leiter. Yeah. The only other one that you could maybe consider to be the one from, uh, uh, from Timothy Dalton's run. Mm-hmm. That Felix Leiter was pretty good, um, especially like in uh, License to Kill, when Delia gets killed by um, was it Sanchez's people, and like he's just like distraught. Like you feel for that version of him. You know but, when, whenever Daniel Craig's run is over, you know who I think would make a really all like a couple like cool additions. Like I think it should still be like Ray Fiennes as like M if he's gonna like keep keep doing that. But I, I think it'd be pretty interesting to like maybe add like a um, like Donald Glover 
into uh it maybe as like a felix lighter type character oh, maybe like not felix agent. but like just like kind of like a maybe a new character oh okay i think that'd be really cool he could be like cia or, or something like that or he could be no that'd be cool just to see him like whatever the next generation of the movie is like oh like, like donald glover's in this it's like yeah yeah he's just kind of playing like he's playing an american agent that yeah has to work with james on something <laughs> That's the thing. Felix has always been like Bond's kind of like counterpart in the CIA. You know, he Felix is kind of always like his contact whenever they have issues with them. You know, where the Americans are getting involved and the British government. But uh, the other thing too to kind of wrap that point up is when you look at the other locations that they're at in the movie. At the beginning of the movie, he's in. Um, he's in Monaco when he meet, when he encounters mm-hmm. Zenia, and Zenia basically is there because. Her and uh, Oromov are trying to steal the the Tiger helicopter that's shielded against the EMP. And so they're in Monaco. And a lot of people would say like, oh, well, you know, Monaco, I mean, that's like South France. It's a principality in South France. You would have black people there. Yeah, you would. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you do see a few black people in the casino, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to go back and look at the casino scene again. But that scene is about Bond and Xenia. You know, it's not really about much anything else besides just those two talking and the banter between the two of them. Because Bond, a lot of times when he's trying to get somewhere, he'll play somebody at cards because it's kind of like his way of figuring out what their motives are. And he can sort of like break somebody down based on playing them at cards. And he can also kind of learn like what pushes their buttons and stuff like that. But it's like Monaco in that particular case yeah, you could have some diversity there. It's South France. You'll have black people there. You know, we understand that. The Later on in the movie, when they go to Cuba, they're going to a location that most people don't even know exists on a map. So some people will be like, well, they're in Cuba. They, you should see, you know, Cubans down there. They're in a part of the country that there are no people. It's just jungle. Yeah. And you have the lake, which houses the antenna cradle and the and the, the, the dish. <laughs> So what kind of people are you going to encounter out in an area that's supposed to be unmarked that nobody knows about? Think what kind you. of diversity are you going to find out there? You're in the middle of the damn jungle in a location that nobody's supposed to know anything about. I think it would be really funny if they had like the village people like doing YMCA in the background. <laughs> just like in the middle of nowhere. They're just like, See, look, diversity. Dun, dun, dun. You've got a construction dun, dun, dun. worker. You've got a, yeah. a black dude. you got a Native American. Yeah. You've got look. You've got you've got America. You've got everything. You've got everything. You've you've got a smorgasbord of diversity right here. Diversity, Boom. and then you see like Wayne and Garth in front of it, just like dancing. Jim Morrison comes out, and he was like, "Yeah, man, if you build it, they will come." Yeah, <laughs> because Wayne's World came up with that line. Right. Yeah. Never in movies before has if you build it, they will come has ever been used so dub that predates field of <laughs> dreams is that right or are you fucking with me i've been drinking so i'm like i'm thinking you might have actually found something that was a joke oh, okay. no, of course field of dreams it came like, before like, wayne's like, world dreams was before wayne's world wasn't it it's was like so- field of dreams ripped off wayne's world it so did that's what happened yeah and Jim Morrison didn't exist until after the Wayne's World movies. Right. <laughs> they created him as a character for those movies. Right. Okay. Um, well, since uh, uh, since we're we're talking about uh, James Bond, right? This is a Bond movie. We'll yes, go ahead and we'll talk is. about this. 
and then we'll go take uh, a break, and then when we'll come back, we'll wrap it up. So, uh, I'll I'll read. I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. So it says Timothy Dalton created a new 007 in the Living Daylights and Licensed to Kill. Year in, uh, year out, the Bond franchise was growing and uh, was was growing or growing in enough cash to dare to be a little more creative. But after a six-year break, the producers understood they'd uh, better stop quarreling, so they were eager to switch on the cash machine again. I prefer to think GoldenEye became the biggest 007 success thanks to the six-year break. Audiences have had time to breathe after um, a six-year leave, and it's a real comeback, not just a periodical uh, uh, show-slash-nuisance. Because to me, GoldenEye is a real nuisance. A James Bond movie is not top art. Okay, that is it's just meant to be entertaining. But imagine a fast-paced entertainment theme park. You've got a uh, three-minute credit uh, to get entertained here, two and a half minutes there, one minute for a P-stop, and so on for every attraction. This is Goldeneye. Everything is fake and jerky. First, Pierce Brosnan is dull. <laughs> he just hasn't got any screen presence. He sounds American and looks like he would be unable to pick a fight with a packet of fried potatoes, let alone a real tough guy. <laughs> After two Bond films, The Living Daylights and License to Kill, in which Timothy Dalton had gone back to Fleming's books for inspiration and found a man haunted by his past, who is sometimes forced to question the sanity of what he does, but who, when action called is called for, does not hesitate to do what he knows to be right. Brosnan looks a trifle inadequate to say the least. As for Brosnan, a prized cheese if ever, he cosmetically smarmed and smirked through the movie with the clumsy overconfidence of an actor who thinks he's extending his range when he's really showing off his limitations against the backdrop of a more skilled supporting cast who unfortunately looked like they were outshining him even when, uh, even when underplaying him. He would always uh, be steered clear of real actors or he should always be steered clear of real actors for his own sake. And it was just my, it wasn't just my imagination, but didn't I see his right eyebrow strain to rise in an instinctive more Roger Moore homage a few times. I'm pretty sure about this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, let's move on. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, this Steve movie does not hate Pierce Brosnan. He doesn't love him, but he doesn't hate him. <laughs> I like him in a lot of things. Uh, um, the later uh, Bond movies weren't one of those, though. Um, yeah, that's why the only Pierce version of Bond that we're going to cover is going to be Goldeneye, because the other yeah. three are kind of tough to... So maybe this, Tomorrow Never Dies is not bad comparatively. The last two are kind of difficult to watch. Yeah, so this movie had a budget of $60 million and made $352 million in 1995. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, th- is the highest grossing Bond movie since Moonraker, which was one of the most highest grossing Bond movies um, until this. Coincidentally, one of the most hated, though. Yeah, but one <laughs> of the highest most grossing, which, of course, Skyfall crushed this. Yeah. Uh, Casino Royale surprisingly didn't, um, even though it was an amazing movie. I don't Sky. think people knew what to do with him in Casino Royale. And then after they got a taste for him as Bond, they were like, okay, fucking, okay, let's do this again. I, I want to see what he does with it. <clears throat> yeah, then they did Quantum of Solace, which made a little bit more money. And then they did Skyfall, which just like 
boom. Ching. Like which I eventually, I, yeah, I think we said eventually made like a billion dollars. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's. I think it's. I think it's. Are very the, close. It's the. It's. I think it's still the highest grossing Bond yeah. movie in the franchise. Which, in my opinion, is the best Bond movie ever made. Uh, but I know yeah. that's debate. Hey, the, the the great thing about whenever there's multiple of something that's made, you you, you can have your your decision on what's the best. But what you don't get to do is you don't get to have a decision on what's the worst, because that's just. Um, statistics basically because this definitely was not one of the worst moonraker wasn't even one of the worst i think we can all agree that the worst was the one with halle berry in it <laughs> die another day <laughs> it was it was so bad steve couldn't even remember the name of the movie he was just like the one that had halle berry whenever you, whenever the most memorable scenes in the movie is halle berry in a bikini you already knew that you fucked up because you're like, well, this this script is shit. Are we talking about Swordfish or Dying on the Day? Both. Both. <laughs> um, but look, she's she's topless in Swordfish, so it's a better movie. Better movie. <laughs> I, I would I would agree. I would agree totally. I'm sorry. That's what makes it the better movie. Halle Berry is topless. Yeah. If you and if you see nipples, it automatically wins. Yeah, it wins. Uh, yeah. but let's just say you know. You you looking at scripts to the movies and it's like okay so um, this this script is just complete garbage. Uh, Pierce is he can't even survive as Bond after this. It's like what if we get Halle Berry in a bikini? That could work. Let's yeah. just let's we, just we go. We might be able to salvage it a little bit to get people to go yeah. see this. And then Swordfish they they probably pitch the same thing as like well this movie doesn't really make too much sense. How does he just disappear under a helicopter at the end Would, wouldn't he still have to like run like he wouldn't be gone like there, there is there topless in this movie okay yeah yeah make uh, the, make yeah the we're movie. gonna improve this yeah. script this is good <laughs> i would like to see ryan george do a pitch meeting on swordfish <laughs> and it's like okay so the script basically what you just told me makes no sense at all yeah 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 yeah, yeah. But the good thing is, is that we're going to have Halle Berry topless in the movie. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh, oh you oh, are. Okay. Well, then make it. Yeah, then go ahead. <laughs> make uh, it. How, how much many? How, yeah, how much <laughs> money do you want? We'll have it all. <laughs> yeah, right. How much are we going to need to have Halle go topless? <laughs> like $5 million. Well, here's 10. Yeah, here's 10. To make it happen. Um, I will see you later. You know, like I would love to see him do a pitch meeting on that movie because it's that's one of the things. Like sometimes adding a good actress like that can can help you in some cases it's just sex appeal like like some people just want to like you know see like really hot people naked and i remember i remember watching swordfish and i wasn't impressed and i was like oh shit Halle Berry, she's just like naked for no reason like and, reading um, a book <laughs> like the rewatch value of swordfish is basically zero it's that scene that's the only reason you go back to swordfish is to see yeah that you're scene. like but those titties you know like literally it's just like that's why they hired halle berry right to be naked so people would actually watch yeah that movie if you didn't have halle berry in that movie and you didn't have halle berry topless it's a movie about nothing yeah like literally i don't know what the plot is i, I it's been a while since i've seen like Swordfish, i, so I, I know, know they're trying to movie. hack something to get some money for something yeah but like it's not important to anything, but it's like that movie is popular because, you know, 
Halle Berry is topless in it. Right. Hugh Jackman's in it. John Travolta's in it. Great. Yeah, you've got good actors in it, but it's just not an entertaining story, really. I mean, the star of the movie is Halle Berry. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> and it's, it's, yes, one of those things. And it's not that she's a bad actress or anything. They literally like, hey, she's super hot right now, and... Um, no one's seen her naked yet. Uh, and this movie is kind of like, we got a big cast going on. We've already got a big budget. Um, you want to show your titties? <laughs> it's yeah. like, it would take like $5 million for me to show my titties. It's like, well, here's $5 million. Here's $5 million. Well, when we get to that scene, this is going to be fun. <laughs> what about the rest of the movie? Yeah, the rest of the movie is kind of shit. But th- this will be what it's There's literally for. a scene in this movie where a guy's like holding a gun to the dude's head. While another person's sucking his dick so it can hack fast enough to do whatever they need to be done. That makes no sense. I don't I don't see where there would be a situation where there would be that kind of pressure to hack. Right. It's not like the government can immediately track you and be at your house in like 45 seconds or something. Right. It doesn't really make any sense. It's like, oh, you have to do it in such a pressure where you think you're going to get your head blown off. While you're getting your dick sucked. <laughs> See, you even just describing the simplistic part of that it sounds stupid. It is. It's and like, we're, we're, we're about positivity. We try to look, you know, past something to see what's good about it. Some things are not redeemable in movies. Like, we'll, we'll acknowledge yeah. when something really just cannot be redeemed. Because I remember you know. watching that and I was like, I was kind of like, wait, what's, I mean, this is kind of like hot or whatever, but. Like what? What's the deal now? Like he has to know what pressure is. Like a gun to his head isn't enough. He has to be able to focus while he's getting his dick sucked. Yeah. Like is that going to be the situation that he's under? Right. Whenever you're having him hack, like, well, you know, we're gonna have you hack in an emergency, but you're gonna have to hack while you're getting your dick sucked. Right. <laughs> like, could you imagine something? Could you imagine like, uh, like the transporter movies? Jason Statham has it's to like you're gonna have stuck. to transport like the greatest like you're gonna have to do it and you're gonna have to get the package there but you're also gonna have to do it while getting your dick sucked <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you're gonna have people on your ass chasing you it's like well can't the 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 that part wait until like after I get it there no 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 you gotta do an extreme pressure you gotta have your dick sucked yeah cause the only way your character can focus and drive the car that well is if he's getting his dick sucked it's like I'm not doing this movie right <laughs> be like, I'm not doing this I don't know what the fuck any of this is this doesn't make any sense yeah. I can't even build a character around this do you know what women are actually like <laughs> cause it seems like you're just making a bunch of like, it's like have you ever dick sucking women <laughs> it's like uh, it's like yeah. have you ever met a woman before before you wrote the script, because this is garbage. <laughs> he just lights it on fire in front of the guy's face. Yeah, it's like you know, you know, like John Travolta can like point down at his dick and have like some random girl suck it, right? And it's like what? No, it's like I mean, he's not Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio could probably do that, and he wouldn't because he's not a piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To have the power to get your dick sucked at any time, and to know, and to have the, and to have the mental faculties to know when you're not supposed to use that, which is pretty much which is all what the time. separates 
Leonardo DiCaprio from Louis C.K. Right. <laughs> oh God. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but that's the the, the thing about uh, kind of getting back to back to this, right? So Pierce as an actor. If some people like Pierce as an actor, like a lot of people say that, like, oh, he did a good job in Thomas Crown Affair. Why couldn't he have been like that as James Bond? And it's not like, the same movie. It's That's not the why. same movie. It's different. Like Bond has, especially like when you look at this era of Bond, they're still not totally removed and have blown everything up for like the Daniel Craig era. Like if you're looking at Daniel Craig's version of Bond, and then you look at like Pierce Brosnan. Pierce is trying to do, to a degree, an homage to Connery. Yeah, like Pierce, Pierce talks way more than um, Daniel Craig. Craig Pierce yeah. Brosnan probably has more lines in this movie than Daniel Craig has in all of the movies that he's been in combined. Yeah. Because Daniel Craig's version of Bond could really be a silent film. Yeah. But that's not to say that Daniel Craig isn't the smoothest motherfucking Bond ever. <laughs> Yeah, because like, I don't know. One of the the lines that stick in my head is whenever he uh, wins all that money, uh, and then he's Royale. just like put it all on red. No, not in Casino Royale. Oh, and um, yeah, it's Skyfall. Yeah, isn't it Skyfall? Where he's in the casino, he wins the money, put it all on red. It's a way of life. Yeah, that's Skyfall. Is that is that Skyfall? I kept thinking that's Quantum of Solace. It might be Quantum of Solace. Yeah, it's Quantum of Solace. Yeah. yeah. And the only reason he picks red is because he sees fields. Yeah. He's like, yeah, put it all in red. Yeah. It's a way of life. But, you know, it, it's like, that's the thing is that because Pierce, I think, is doing a bit of an homage to Connery. I mean, he even tries to, you know, I mean, he even has the hairy chest and stuff like Connery did. Which he shouldn't be doing homages, but that's, I mean, that's fine. But that's the thing, it's like... He might have been asked to do it that way. Yeah, they, they might have been like, okay, well, we want you to kind of be like a, kind of harken back to the Connery era. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the, you know, the hairy chest and stuff like that. And, and having like the one-liners, the quick one-liners and stuff like that. But that's the thing. It's like, you know, Bond has, like, different flavors for different people. Some people, when they go to watch a Bond movie, they want to see cool explosions, chases. They want to see, like, cool action shit. Like, you know, I want to see Bond and fucking Aston Martin doing crazy shit in a vehicle. You know, some people are like, I want to see him use the gadgets. I want to see him with, like, crazy watches. Yeah, you know, crazy which is fine. That's why I'm never going to judge any version of Bond. It's like, because... Some some people love like oh there's no better version of Bond than Sean Connery, I disagree. He's but Connery's not from our era. Yeah, he was from he was from before our yeah. time. Yeah, I mean if you guys love if you guys love the Connery Bond like I love Sean Connery, just period. I love right. I, I love Sean Connery in movies. I even like the the League of Extra- uh, Extraordinary Gentlemen movie that people just fucking completely hate it. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fun. I don't. I didn't really see a problem with it. It was a fucking comic book movie about some ridiculous shit. I don't know what you were expecting. Like <laughs> one guy's it, literally invisible. <laughs> it's not gonna blow your fucking mind or anything. But like, oh my god, this is the greatest movie of all time. But it's not. It's not a bad movie. No, that's all right. You know, I mean, it's not like, oh my god, there's I threw up watching that movie. It's like, well, you you have more issues than than this movie then. <laughs> 
But like, if the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yeah. makes you throw up from watching it, that you your priorities are all kinds. Yeah, of fucked all up. kinds of fucked up. But you know, let's just say like, you know, T Dalt is one of my favorite Bonds, and then you know, Daniel Craig's one of my favorite Bonds. This movie with Pierce Brosnan, it was it was pretty damn good. Um, and this is as good as Brosnan gets as Bond. Yeah, and it's the first movie that he did as Bond, and he kind of he hit it out of the park in his yeah. first movie. And then his movies get progressively worse. Yeah, Chris Columbus is the reason that he was able to get the second chance at it too, because uh, Chris Columbus, you know, of course he, you know, he directed Mrs. Doubtfire, and he was he, uh, you know, um, he did some Harry Potter movies too. Percy Jackson, which Pierce Brosnan was also in. Um, didn't Chris Columbus do? Uh, didn't he do like the the uh, Home Alone movies too? Yes. Wasn't that Chris Columbus? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he. I always thought that that was John Hughes. Like when I was a kid, I always thought that the uh, the Home Alone movies were John Hughes movies. Technically, yes, but not directing. It was Chris Columbus. Yeah, I so I'm like I always got that fucked up. Like when I was a kid, I never understood. Well, uh, there's another there's another John Hughes movie people. People think that John Hughes directed, but he was really just like a producer on with uh, Uncle Buck. No, it's one of those like um, it's one of the big ones. Uh shit, I, I forget. I remember, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember hearing about it, and I was like, no, no, no that was. I was like, no, no, no that Hughes was John movie. Hughes' movie, and it's like, no, it's it's not. It was uh, somebody else directed. It was like it was one of his big ones. It was either like. It wasn't Pretty in Pink or Breakfast Club, but it was might have yeah. It wasn't it wasn't Sixteen Candles. It was one of those that people identify as like one of his big movies, and he didn't even direct it. What Ferris Bueller? No, he directed Ferris Bueller. Did he, okay. No, he might have not directed Ferris Bueller. I think he did. I think he definitely directed Ferris Bueller, right? I Fuck, I don't know. I don't remember. We're not talking about that though. We're talking about fucking Bond. How do we get on fucking John Hughes? <laughs> Jesus hey man, Christ. sometimes shit happens. Okay, we need we need to take a break. Yeah, we need to take a break So what's supposed to be the bad romance between Bond and Natalia or Bond and Xenia? Either. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bond and Natalia actually work out pretty well in the end. Um, but uh, the <laughs> as as far as Goldeneye goes, it's uh, I, I think one of the reasons why I think this movie sticks out so much to me is because this was, I, th I think probably one of the first bond movies that I actually watched. Cause I remember I had this on VHS tape. Um, and VHS I, is tight. VHS is tight. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, the, uh, like I, I used to have like a, a collection of the bond movies and it was 
uh, all of the Roger Moore era, and then the the two Timothy Dalton movies. So, but that was basically everything. It was kind of like the the back half of the Bond movies. T Dalt. T Dalt. Um, Remember, you had all the Bonds on laser disc. <laughs> no, we no were never happened. rich enough for laser disc. <laughs> uh, we, we 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 was poor. Uh, <laughs> what was the, what was the name of those video the 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 technology that came out that was like gone and like fucking oh betamax no didn't didn't you have some of those vhs no that came after like the disc the disc wars hd dvd versus blu-ray yeah 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 hd dvd yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. how do you even watch that now you can't right you can't watch that shit anymore unless you have an hd dvd player so if you bought that back in the day you just can't watch it unless you can somehow find an hd yeah well, didn't they have like something that like I think it was like one of the, I think it was like the first version of the Xbox 360 could actually play those. I think it could read, it. but then they patched it out. Because and that's why they had to make a deal with Sony to let them put Blu-ray technology. <laughs> because the thing that you know about the battle between Sony and Microsoft now, if you're buying an Xbox, you're still paying Sony. Right. Because they have Blu-ray in that shit. Right. <laughs> Uh, but back in the day, we weren't that fortunate. We had VHS that you yeah. had to rewind and shit. And I remember be kind, rewind. Yeah, and I remember like having uh, this on VHS. I think I had Tomorrow Never Dies on VHS. I never fucked around with the world is never, the, you know, the, the world is not enough and Die Another Day. I've never owned copies of those. Still don't to this day. Um, I do have a bunch of. I have uh, all of the Connery era Bonds. And he I, has fourteen copies of moonraker <laughs> in case there's an apocalypse i will have most of the moonrakers in the world yeah because yeah. i think they made 17 copies and he has 14 yes i own uh 98 of the world's copies of tommy boy so mm. if anything ever happens you know holla at your boy <laughs> yeah i mean i mean even if the world ended if you have a copy of tommy boy still pretty happy about that yeah because that's a funny fucking man <laughs> if as long as the whole world didn't go completely to shit and you still have access to like a dvd player or a blu-ray player and you still have shit like electricity and stuff yeah it would be a really good way to enjoy the yeah. apocalypse it's like well i just had to recycle my pee but i still have tommy boy <laughs> I, still, I still have tommy and richard to keep me warm <laughs> Oh, it's the apocalypse. Time to drink my own piss. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Bear Grylls. Yeah. <laughs> he drinks his own piss on the rag for no reason. Right. He's Even like, don't waste water, drink piss. <laughs> He's going to die in disdain. <laughs> it's like, I don't... Uh... It's like, I don't drink that Gatorade, Powerade bullshit. I drink my own piss. <laughs> that shit cuts deep off guard because he almost spit taped all, <laughs> all over his microphone. This uh, is a high quality microphone. Right. Them shits was $80. <laughs> no, I don't know how much it was. Um, I don't know probably mine, $80 mine was like I think 100 or something or no I got it on sale so I think it was like just a little over 80 something like that 12 cents he stole it 
I mean, hey, the best price is free. So. He wouldn't grabbed it and he was like, it's only still in if you catch me. They didn't right. catch you. <laughs> yeah, and then I had to run like a motherfucker. But anyway. Security <laughs> um, uh, security guard trying to chase him look like Newman. <laughs> Hello, Newman. <laughs> Fucking Wayne Knight. Don't talk shit about Wayne Knight, motherfucker. He was in Jurassic Park. <laughs> He was Wayne even, Knight is my idol. Wayne Knight is the shit. <laughs> he was also in uh, Third Rock from the Sun, motherfucker. He was. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah, Third Rock from the Sun was such a good show. Just randomly off topic. Yeah, way off topic. Fuck but that Joseph Gordon-Levitt came from that fucking show. <laughs> if anything, getting Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is, is the shit. So the fact that he came from that show is pretty good. I don't know. What what would be... I, I tell... You know how you, people say that they have, like, spirit animals or whatever? Right. <laughs> like, I literally... Like, I know they're not animals, but, like, they're people. But, like, <laughs> mine are literally, like, Aubrey Plaza and Ellie Kemper. Right. Those are mine. What would be yours? Uh, it's, like, somebody that I just have a reaction to. Yeah, like, like the, the, the your connection. Like, you, you just would never, you know, like... Like, uh, I guess something that makes you happy because Aubrey Plaza and LA Camper probably make me the happiest. One for me would be Rosario Dawson. Oh, Rosario Dawson. Yeah. She's, she's and then like, Zoe Saldana, maybe? Probably Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Sweet. So we have really good, we have really good <laughs> spirit people. Because it's like, I, it's part of me is like, uh, is the other day I was, uh, I was at the, at one of these restaurants and they had uh, Luke Cage on inside of the restaurant, which I'm like, that's kind of a like really brutal show to put on. That is, eating. I would probably not eat there. Right, <laughs> but they kids. had that on, and I just see like Rosario Dawson as like the night nurse, like walking up to Luke or whatever after like a fight, and I'm like, oh, it's this Rosario, and like part of your soul just kind of like, ah, oh, it's Rosario Dawson. You just feel happy, yeah, right? It, it like I felt the same place. way during that show. Like like whenever you're like. Man, this is getting super dark. And then you see Rosario, and you're like, okay, I feel better. Yeah, I feel better. I feel, I feel like better. she's gonna, she's definitely gonna make shit better. She's gonna make stuff better. Like, yeah. Why isn't she in the actual MCU? Come on, Kevin Feige. Yeah. Or the other option is she could be Ahsoka Tano and as a live action character in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, I was gonna say because you know we kept mentioning that, and then I kept hearing that. I was like, "Is she too old?" And I was like, "I guess it doesn't really matter in Star Wars." I she mean, could be like, she could be, well, she would be like the older version of Ahsoka, the the the, the grown woman version. But I mean, literally the, in Star Wars, she can be either like four, or like four thousand. You you don't know. Fu- I, I mean, mean Chewbacca is like what three hundred years old or something. Nine million. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Yoda's species lives to like almost a thousand years, so. You know, I mean, I don't I thought know. Yoda was older than a thousand. Wasn't Yoda like 2000 years old or something? And like, no, was... well, he says in return of the Jedi, he said when 900 years old, you know, that's you right. Reach, yeah. You yeah. look as good. You will not. So we know that he's at least, but does, but does Yoda die of old age or does he die of like kind of feeling defeated on top of old age? That's like, could he, both. could he, could he, he probably could have lived longer. He just he's like probably he was like, I'm done here. I'm just going to become one with the force and go, go chill and, you know, play cards with Qui-Gon in the, in the netherworld and the afterworld, you know, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. 
Because, uh, well, I mean, it, I guess this is kind of because we are talking about Star Wars and it's May the 4th. <laughs> May the 4th be with you. May the 4th be with you. Um, it's like in the, the um, just on the Ryan George topic again or whatever. And it was like uh, one of the videos he was like uh, in Marvel. Uh, or, yeah. Marvel be with you. And it's like, yes, and Marvel to you, my son. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we'll go ahead and we'll wrap up some Goldeneye here. Um, so the last one, this is something that always bugs me whenever, whenever I'm I'm looking through comments, and it's it's people that have issues with the the storyline beats or the plot. And I I swear to you, nobody ever fucking pays attention to like any movie when they when they talk about this shit on IMDb. You know, you can always tell the people that really did not pay attention to the movie. There's the re- one of the reasons why they didn't like it, is because they always say, "Oh, the plot didn't make sense. They had plot holes. They had plot holes here. They said something about this, and then they didn't use it later. Or this stuff doesn't make sense." And it's like, did you actually watch the movie, or were you playing Snake on your Nokia phone? <laughs> were you Jack Dickin right. halfway through it? Yeah, or maybe you had a gun to your head and you were getting your dick sucked trying to concentrate and you Because couldn't. that is stuff that happens every day. Yeah. If or you learn- at least to someone at any given day are probably most likely to no one ever in the history of man. Right. <laughs> like, that, that would be my guess. That's right. never happened to anyone ever in existence <laughs> that's somebody writing a script that's like wouldn't it be really intense if like you were had a gun on you and you were getting your dick sucked at the same time no that's someone writing a script like i'm a nerd like this chick would be blowing me and i'd be like blowing her mind because i'm hacking like a motherfucker and i got a gun to my head so i look and even I more a, badass and I, yeah that's exactly who that is and they could not have picked a less nerdy person than hugh jackman like that's a beautiful man. Like he could, he's been married for like twenty years, right? And then he's the guy that you have like to, to have his dick sucked because he's a nerd hacker, right? Yeah, he looks yeah. believable as a nerd. If you would have put Travolta there, that'd be more believable. Yeah, if Travolta was the hacker and and fucking Hugh Jackman was the bad guy, probably would have made more sense. Yeah, this is uh. So basically, this is the Swordfish podcast. <laughs> I don't know how we mentioned Swordfish in this, it's, but I think it's that because just, I don't Barry know. Was a Bond girl, yeah, and yeah. she was also in Swordfish, and like that's our link. And we were just trying to trying to say like the reason that they sold the Bond movie was because of Halle Berry's titties. Yes, exactly. Which is coincidentally yeah. how they sold Swordfish. <laughs> so, um, but I'll, so I'll, I'll get into the, the story stuff on here, right? So it says after the opening credits, the movie degrades quickly. <laughs> <laughs> So it says there is a gratuitous porn scene shortly after Bond meets a Russian woman. Uh, The woman is shown on top of a man and she uh, makes all the orgasm sounds (laughs) while bopping up and down as he lay on his back. (laughs) (laughs) Did a fucking 10 year old write this? As he lay on his back. As he, as he lay on his back. As he lay on his back. That woman get is Bobby Boucher. Yeah, it's Bobby uh, Boucher right now. up and down. Yeah, Bobby did write Bobby this. Bobby Boucher, the woman be he was laying on his back. She showed, and, me, uh, her she, she showed me his titties while I was just laying on my back. 
And not just for a couple of seconds. That's the end of that. It says, uh, then the movie degrades even further uh, when the scene turns to Russia at a secret lab where not only do all the Russians speak accents in English, but their computer images are all in English, their passwords are in English, and the wall maps are all in English. For a movie to be good, it has to be it has to mimic reality. Had this movie used the Russian language with English subtitles and left out the porn, it would have been very good. Otherwise, sorry, Boris. <laughs> the storyline is... <laughs> I, hold on, I disagree. I like it better whenever they... they if it's an English movie made, made for English-speaking speaking people, is less subtitles as you can do. Please. Yeah. Because I don't want to go to the theater and have to fucking read the whole time. Right. If I want to do that, I would read Ian Fleming's novels. Right. Because I really... That's one thing that, that kind of aggravates me. Like, and I'm not talking anything about, like, Quentin Tarantino because he does like to keep it a little too real sometimes that you'll be seeing the scenes. It's like, okay, this is a really good movie, but I'm... Okay. Okay, I have to read this. Yeah, okay. Like in... Uh, um, uh, Inglorious Bastards, like literally, you have to l- read subtitles for like three different languages, all spoken by Christoph Waltz. <laughs> yeah, and you're just like, okay, yeah, he speaks like, that beautifully, uh, but French, German, and what was the other one? Uh, well, he he speaks French, German, and English. And English, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, and it's <laughs> sometimes you're just kind of like, okay, okay yeah. All right, yeah, could, could we calm down? Like, sometimes I think he even knows this too much because he's like, let me switch to English. And I was like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Jesus. This is it's one like, of the reasons. This reason- is a movie. Like, you don't have to speak those languages. You can just be like, okay, they, they know English because, you know, they're going against English people and they they learn the language that way. They they don't have to. They don't know what's going on. You know, that's, that's fine. That's simple enough. <laughs> Right, you know, explanation. You don't have to be like, "Well, this has to be in subtitles on maybe because that's unrealistic." And it's like, it's actually not that unrealistic because this actually happened during war. Like they learn languages, and they would not only they would not only not speak their own language during radio transmissions instead of American, they would speak their language in private lines, so they could have different conversations, and they'd speak English over normal lines. That way, if they were thought they were being listened to, it was okay because they weren't actually they they wanted to be listened to, right? Basically, so they would actually train their people to speak English, and then they would speak English over open channels, and then they would speak their language under closed channels. Right, but like what you're talking about, like you know, you don't want to sit there and read subtitles the whole time. Yeah, like. I, you know, I have a, a subscription to the Funimation, the, you know, the anime app where you can like go in and like watch the anime shows. Yeah. So everything that Funimation does is dubbed in English with like English actors and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Crunchyroll, if you go on Crunchyroll, everything that they do is the real Japanese version of the shows with English subtitles. I had that for like a month or whatever, and I'm like, I'm just reading these shows, and I'm missing out on the action and the way the animation looks because I'm having to read the dialogue and then look up and see what they're doing and then read the dialogue and then look up, and it's distracting. So subscribe it's... to Funimation. <laughs> Everyone we are not sponsored by Funimation. <laughs> 
but we will, we will gladly we will do be, commercials. We will be sponsored by Funimation once they hear this. Yeah, um, because uh, because you don't have to read those stupid subtitles. <laughs> yeah, um, listen to Funimation because they care. Yeah, they, they actually care. give a shit about you as opposed to Crunchyroll. You <laughs> are a bunch of fucks. <laughs> Unless they want to advertise us, then Crunchyroll's the best. Yeah, <laughs> Crunchyroll is the shit. And crunchy rolls and sushi are actually delicious. <laughs> yes, they are. Especially those the ones with the crunches spread on the top of it. Those, yeah, the those little flakes. Are, yeah, those yeah, are yeah. delicious. See, I'm just hungry. Anyway, um, <laughs> I want some sushi now. Fuck this podcast. So, We're done. <laughs> fuck this show. We're getting sushi. Um, uh, so let's see where I was. Uh, um, uh, yeah, it says the storyline is heavy handed, yet not so heavy. As the product placement shots mm. for BMW, Omega Watches, uh, or Perrier, uh, and also did Eurocopter pay? Tina Turner has been uh, called as a substitute for Shirley Bassey and her memorable Goldfinger song. Actually, if you're going to mention product placements, kid, let's right. mention all of them. <coughs> so here we go. Uh, Perrier. So we play Master of Puppets here while you read this. Let's yeah, dun 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 dun. dun, dun. Perrier Mineral Water, British Airways, I M, I B M Computers, yes. Parker Pins, Jack Daniels Black Label, Tennessee Whiskey, uh, Omega Watches, James Bond's wears Omega Semester Watch. Yeah. Uh, BMW, the first part of their picture deal. Uh, featuring BMW Z3 Roadster Convertible, Smirnoff Vodka, Yves uh, Saint Laurent, uh, Sharper Image, British Telecom, and Nintendo spin-off video game, GoldenEye 007, and later Electronic Stars, uh, GoldenEye Rogue Agent. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so let me just finish and then we'll go over it so it says um uh tina turner has been called a substitute for shirley bassey in her memorable goldfinger song eventually continuity makes as much sense as in a video game this blinker clinging flick starts with bond jumping down a dry and warm valley only to emerge a little later and at the top of a snowy mountain and the end is a shameless carbon copy of you only live twice well, that sounds like a description of your mom. Now, <laughs> uh, nah, um, uh, <laughs> you only bang twice. You only bang twice. Um, um, it's not at all like the end of "You Only Live Twice" because the ending of "You Only Live Twice" is them mounting or uh, mounting like a raid uh, on a, a facility that is located inside of a mountain. The only thing that I, the only reason I think that they they got something from that. Is because uh, of the fact that the antenna cradle and the uh, the dish in this movie are hidden with the lake, and there's also like the uh, mountain base, and you only live twice is also like hidden as well. It looks like it's part of the environment, right? Because the top of the volcano actually has like a, it's like a thing that makes it look like it's a volcano, but it's really not. It's actually like hollowed out, and it's a base. But You Only Live Twice has ninjas in it. There's no ninjas in this movie. So your whole theory is just bullshit. <laughs> How can it be the same thing if there's no ninjas? You know what I'm saying? There's got to be ninjas. You have to have ninjas or this shit doesn't make sense. 
I just I don't understand how people can like watch this and they're like, oh, they ripped off the ending of this from You Only Live Twice. You can watch You Only Live Twice and then watch Goldeneye and you're like, okay, so you can say that that the ending of this movie is the same as like any other ending of a Bond movie where you have Bond trying to stop the villain while you have possibly the Bond girl helping and uh, there's like a bunch of goons that have to get killed and then in this movie he doesn't even have backup until the very end right you know like then he gets he gets the marines to get him choppered out of there but him and Natalia are doing this entirely by themselves like they have no help right <laughs> So it's not at all like when when James and the other guy are raiding the compound and you only live twice. They have like an army of fucking ninjas that are rappelling down into the mountain to help them with like katanas and like machine guns and shit. It's pretty you know? cool. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, you only live twice is one of my favorite you know Connery era Bonds. Um, I've always loved that movie. I think it's because it does take place in Japan and it's got all the cool stuff. He doesn't drive an Aston Martin in that movie. He drives a Honda. I think it's like a Honda S S eight hundred or something like that, or like an early generation. The 1960s office Honda. that uh, M is in is an actual MI six office. They let him film what it looks like inside of an uh, actual MI six office. Oh wow! And then you were pointing out that that also looks like the inspiration for. Uh, yes, uh, this movie Mallory's looks like office yeah, from, uh, Archer. This movie actually looks like the direct. Um, inspiration for the show archer yeah mallory from archer like the office looks almost identical and then some of the stuff that happens in this movie are basically very identical to the starting premise of archer from the um one of the greatest spy animations of all time yeah uh you know john h benjamin uh one of the greatest voice actors ever um great comedian yeah, so this this movie is very, um, you know, it influences a lot. So, what's the greatest Nintendo sixty four shooter? Perfect well, Dark. Perfect. Okay. So <laughs> I before Perfect Dark. It was Goldeneye. I Goldeneye. get it, but Perfect Dark. I'm sorry. I Perfect Dark. The reason Perfect Dark exists is because uh, they, they lost get the, the license. license. Because uh, they were gonna mine, make a sequel to yeah. Goldeneye. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to cut you on that, but you you know that's true. <sighs> yeah, I know. I, I've played like when I had a functioning 64 and I was playing Perfect Dark. Like I know we played the shit ton out of that game. Like crazy. We love that game. It's still that one game. of my favorite. Like I, I'm not a big fan of shooter games. If somebody's like, "Hey, I got Perfect Dark. You want to play some multiplayer?" Fuck yes. Fire that shit up. Yeah, we might we might just hit that up one day. Just just on the randomly, especially since I have the perfect uh, the projector screen. Yeah. In the garage now, we might just do that one day. Just Steve bought a projector with his income tax, and it's like it's like a new child. <laughs> yeah, it's. I love it. I love yeah. it so much. <laughs> I love it so much. So much. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's like the the thing about somebody saying that. Uh, well, for one thing about the product placement, is you don't usually get a movie made with without some kind of product placement, right? Well, yeah, but also Bond films are just kind of like a it's a product now. Like it's you sell you sell watches off Bond, you sell that's what you alcohol, do now. You yeah. sell yeah, alcohol, cars, 
even though, you know, Pierce Bronson is not much of a drinker. He didn't really drink on the set. Um, Daniel Craig does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, even though he doesn't drink a lot because, I mean, how can you have all that? How can you have an eight-pack and, and, be, and be a heavy drinker? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, his wife, Rachel Weiss. <laughs> right. Is, fuck. Fuck that guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're too good, Daniel Craig. Why are you so good? Why are you so good? <laughs> Why is your life so good? But Pierce Brosnan is also a beautiful man. He's, I don't even know if he's, he's not married, is he? Pierce Brosnan? I, I don't know if he is right now, but I know he has been before. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if he, uh... but and that's the thing about Pierce too, is that when you look at Pierce, you think, oh, he looks kind of like James Bond. He's got the dark hair. He's got the stature. He's got the, you know, the, the dead body that Bond always kind of has, except for Daniel Craig, of course, because he's built like a damn statue. You know um, who would be a really great James Bond? I know he played Jack Ryan in the movie. Chris Pine. Chris Pine would be a really, Chris Pine. really uh, amazing James Bond. My uh, my vote, if you wanted a swole Bond, <laughs> would be Henry Cavill. And or then, Chris Hemsworth. Or Hemsworth. Because Hemsworth has expressed interest in playing the next Bond. So That would be interesting. The other one that I thought would be really interesting would be Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. But if he's doing this Loki thing, you know, maybe he he might not because he's doing the Loki TV thing for Disney Plus. Um, but uh, Chris yeah. Evans for Bond. Chris oh. Evans, uh, you're not Captain America anymore. <laughs> you do an accent, man, because uh, you might be needed. I know some other people said that like Tom Hardy would be interesting. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I think I'm saying no on the Tom Hardy. Tom I'm, Hardy, I'm I think Tom Hardy in a Bond movie would be great as a villain or as a henchman. Imagine him as like a henchman that like damn near kills Bond because he's so badass. That would be pretty awesome. You know, yeah. like say if you want to continue along this whole line where you have Spectre now. Yeah, fuck Tom can... Hardy as Bond. Let's get Charlize Theron as Bond. Yeah. Gender swap, nah. bitches. <laughs> Jay Messina. Just uh, have Charlize fucking a bunch of bitches. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, because apparently everybody has to have uh, lesbian content in their movies now. Mm -hmm. um, you know. Oh, my bad. Has to be black and lesbian. My yeah, bad. you have to Yeah, you have to be some kind. You have to be non-white so, and lesbian in um, order for you to be in a movie now. <laughs> uh, let's say, let's put, um... Um, I don't know. <laughs> Who would you get to? Was be the a, person that everyone hated in uh, Star Wars? Uh, Kelly Trans. Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, let's make her. <laughs> Vietnamese Bond. Yeah, hey, let's do it. Yeah, you know, let's whatever. do it. <laughs> we could get, uh, you know, we could get somebody like, um, uh. I'm trying to think. We get somebody like Kelly Who. You know? Kelly Who? Yeah. Scarlett Johansson as Bond. Oh, God. People, people would fucking riot. People they? would be like, oh, my God, you made Bond a white woman? Oh, God. Because as we all know, white women are the devil. You know? They um, suck. <laughs> it's just... Oh, Especially God. Scarlett Johansson, I guess. Yeah, it's like Scarlett Johansson. She can't be an android. That's fucked up. It's like it's she's she's a fucking robot. It doesn't matter what she looks like. <laughs> what would it be like if they're like the next Bond is Rachel Weisz, and they're like she can't be Bond. And Daniel Craig's like, wait, excuse me. Yeah, wait a minute. What now? <laughs> they're like, okay, yeah, that's cool. 
<laughs> you know, I, Bond, Bond could be uh, could Rachel be Wise. Yeah, could she be could Rachel be Wise. Rachel Wise. Yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> it's like I dare you to say something. <laughs> I dare you to say something in front of my wife <laughs> about my wife. It's like, oh yeah, uh, let's not go down that road. Let's not piss him off. You know, the training. It's like he someone's does, like, I'm gonna take this Twitter. It's like, dude, that's Daniel Craig's wife. Do you know what you're doing? Yeah. Oh, you poked the hornet's nest. You're you're gonna have to deal with the hornets. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're you're right. Let's just uh, you're right. Let's go watch the movie. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just watch that one. Yeah. <laughs> so no bitching. No, I don't. I don't want Daniel Craig. <laughs> I don't want Daniel Craig to come. <laughs> one quick point before we like totally wrap up. For anybody who on here is like saying that uh, Tina Turner is a poor, uh, doing a poor imitation of Shirley Bassey. Because people compare the Goldfinger song to the GoldenEye song. And they're like, well, Shirley Bassey did the Goldfinger song back in the day. And then Tina is doing, you know, she's doing like a poor imitation of Shirley Bassey. Tina Turner is a fucking legend. And so is Shirley Bassey in her own right. To say that they can't both do Bond songs and they can, they can just coexist and be good songs. You know, it's like... Who the fuck are you to say like, oh, Tina Turner's doing a poor imitation of Shirley Bassey? What the fuck? That's that's stupid. Why would anybody think that? Whoever thinks that has some kind of like bias against Tina Turner. It's like, why wouldn't she be good for doing this song? I mean, we played the GoldenEye song to, to start this show. And she hits, listen to the whole song. Like she like bellows her heart out singing that song because... It, she's good at being able to tap into that emotion, you know? Tina Turner is one of the greatest musicians of all time. Yeah. And whoever the fuck is that criticizes her doesn't have, you know, For like a... percentage a, of it, like a fraction of a percent of her talent. I was trying to think of the lowest number possible, and I just can't... She does, They don't even have a, a, a quantum bits worth <laughs> yeah. of her talent. Of her talent. She could take a shit... And she's accomplished more than you've ever done in your entire life. Yeah, she could take a shit and earn a Grammy. <laughs> so, any criticism of Tina Turner that anybody has is just invalid. Because, unless it's fucking Prince, which is also dead, rest in peace. Rest in um, peace, Prince. Criticizing Tina Turner, it would still be barely valid. But right. it would at least be Prince, and you are no Prince, yeah. whatever you are. And Prince would be the type of guy, he would write something for Tina Turner, and it's like, I want you to sing this. Yeah, he'd be like, I didn't con- I didn't 100% love your last album. Here's the album I wrote for you. Could you sing this? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Tina would be like, okay, I'll I'll do my best. I'll sing this. So you want, you want to be my producer? No, this is yours. I just was randomly just... I just I was listening to your last album and I was like, nah, she's seeing something like this. You can have it. Yeah, this isn't this isn't a true mark of your talent. <laughs> this is. Prince, if Prince gives you a song, you sing that shit. Yeah, because the one thing that you do know about Prince, uh, listening to documentaries and podcasts and stuff like that, he, he has given many songs to many people for basically absolutely nothing just because he likes to write songs and give them the fuck away. Right, and well, that's his prerogative. Yeah, because he's written thousands of songs, and he's just kind of like, yeah, I'm not going to sing this one. Hey, you, you'd be better at singing this one. Here, you can have it. Well, what's the commission? No, 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 I I just said here, you can have it. Yeah, it's yours. It's yours. 
So, I mean, this is... So, this for is... anybody who wants to criticize Tina Turner and say that, you know, she was doing a poor imitation of Shirley Bassey, you get fucked. Like, that's... No. Tina Turner's a legend. Shirley Bassey's a legend. But Bassey's time was back in the 60s when she was, you know, during the Connery era. Tina would be, you know, what we would have in, like, the 90s, you know, the Pierce Brosnan yeah, Tina, era. Tina had 30 years of great musical dominance. Yeah. And to say that she's, like, a poor imitation of Shirley Bassey, it's like, go fuck yourself. Like, that's just disrespectful to a legend. You know, it, it would be like somebody, you know, saying some shit about Aretha Franklin. It's like, talk about Aretha Franklin and see how many people were willing to whip your ass. Yeah. <laughs> don't don't talk shit about legends, man. You, like, you, you don't, don't do that. You don't choke a legend. You don't choke a legend. <laughs> how are you going to choke Wyclef Jean, <laughs> man? <laughs> it's a good reference to the Dave Chappelle yeah. show. And this is where we will leave you. This has been Beyond the Hate. Um like us uh subscribe to us uh, listen to us on anchor spotify apple itunes. itunes all that that great stuff yes and uh if you guys want to yeah you guys want to email us is beyond the hate at yahoo.com you can also donate leave some money in the tip jar yes leave us some money so we can you know spend it right <laughs> <laughs> and uh this has been beyond the hate hope you guys enjoyed thank you Peace.